Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Superhero Finder podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and I've been scouring the cosmos looking for inspirational stories and people doing some really incredible things in our communities. Um, and whether you're here to learn something for yourself or whether maybe you're going to take something away to teach somebody else, whatever you're here for, thank you. And I'm delighted to be in the Mac Cave today with Amanda Hanushmore. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's always good to have a fellow northerner in the room with me. <laughs> it's always we've been across <laughs> the world. We've had people in Canada, we've had people in all sorts of countries, but a fellow northerner and actually quite local. So where are you based, Amanda? I'm based up at um North Allerton, up in North Yorkshire, but I am a true West Yorkshire person. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely representing the North today. Yeah. Absolutely. And for anyone that doesn't know anything about yourself, they might get, if you're watching this on video, you might get a little bit of a clue by what Amanda's wearing. But would you like to just introduce a little bit about what is it that you do? Who's Amanda? So I work for North Yorkshire Police. I'm a police sergeant with North Yorkshire Police and I have been for the last nearly 14 years. Um, so I started my career as a response officer um, and then went on to neighbourhoods. Um, I spent some time as well as the operational lead for hate crime for North Yorkshire Police. And now I am based in safeguarding as the violence against women and girls sergeant. So I don't have a particular area where I police. Um, I cover the whole of North Yorkshire, which is a pretty large area because North Yorkshire mm. is a very, very big county. Um, and I work with... Um, a DCI and we uh, we essentially work across the force to implement the Vogue strategy, which came from the National Vogue Task Force, um, which I was lucky to be on for a year um, last year um, as a part of the Vogue Task Force. So that's basically me. That's what I do. North Yorkshire is a huge county to have. It is, yeah. Two people. Really kind of heading that up. Is it not one of the biggest counties in the country? Uh, it is. It's not the, the biggest policing county. I right. think that honour goes down to maybe Devon and Cornwall or one of the uh, the Welsh forces. But we certainly are uh, uh, one of the biggest counties. Um, and we are very rural as well. So most of our, um, unlike West Yorkshire, which is much smaller, but it's very, very urban. It's got large, um, large cities, you know, Leeds and Bradford. Um, our biggest city will be York, and then we have Scarborough, Harrogate, and they're all based at the bottom of the county. Uh, but the, predominantly, our force is uh, incredibly rural. We've got the Yorkshire Dales and um, the, the Yorkshire Wolds, um, and we've got the, the East Coast. Um, so um, with Scarborough, um, which is a you know a, a, a tourist area, which many people come and visit, obviously in the summer months. Um, so yeah, we we cover a massive, massive geographical area. Um, so yeah, it's it's a pretty big area to stretch. It can take several hours to get from one end of the county to the other, um, and not um, it's not an easy drive either as well. It's often through you know rural villages and yeah. rural roads, and certainly during the uh, winter months, it can be pretty pretty difficult to get across. Yeah, pretty hairy at times, I bet. Um, yeah, yeah. What? So, I mean, this, this this is awesome to have somebody that's dedicated on looking at um, 
violence against women and girls, which is a massive thing. And anyone that knows me or that's been following me will will know that I champion a lot of this work and I try and speak up as a as a man in this in this realm because it's really important that we have these conversations. What does your what main things do you kind of do? What main things is your role to do within the communities? What what things will people see? What pe what things will people see and hear about that you do? So one of the things um, really at the moment is one of the things I'm championing is the White Ribbon um, um, organisation, um, which a lot of people may have heard of because it's a national um, it's a national charity. Um, and I know that a lot of organisations have already signed up for it. So West Yorkshire Police have been signed up as a White Ribbon organisation um, for quite some time. And it's something that North Yorkshire Police have just um signed up for and become accredited for and it's something that i'm really driving within north yorkshire police um primarily because you know policing hasn't had the best um uh the best reputation with regards to um trust and confidence and it's something that is a part of the vogue strategy it's part of the, uh, the national vogue strategy is rebuilding trust and confidence in policing um, and interestingly, I was having this conversation yesterday. So yesterday I was with um, IDAS, which is the Independent Domestic Abuse mm -hmm. Service that runs, um, they are commissioned by our um, Office of Police and Crime Commissioner. They work in North Yorkshire, they work in South Yorkshire as well, in in, in around Barnsley. Um, and we were having this conversation about um, how policing and um, are, you know, policing are trying to make changes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think policing has recognised that um, we are an organisation which will attract certain types of men um, and certain types of men who will abuse that power and, and thus ever was. Um, but there is a cultural, there is a cultural issue at, at play and policing uh, recruits from society Mm -hmm. And if society is um, misogynistic or if there is a misogynistic strand through society, mm -hmm. then we are recruiting from that culture. Um, so we really need to ensure that we have the right uh, checks and balances in place that if we identify these type of people, that mm -hmm. we're getting rid of them. Um, and we're not hiding, behind, we're not brushing things under the carpet that perhaps we, we have done in the past mm -hmm. that we are getting rid of anyone who immediately displays any kind of um inappropriate bad behavior yeah um which i think is why we're seeing a lot more coming to the surface uh, we're seeing these reports of officers being um kicked out of forces yep. because they're getting you know the the the, the checks and balances are are coming into effect mm -hmm. Um, and forces are being robust. Now, I'm sure that people go, well, that should have been always like that. Well, it hasn't been, but yeah. it, it's, it, yeah. it is now. Um, I've always had this concern that, and, and rightly so, the police are the people who should be put on a pedestal because mm -hmm. we are the ones who enforce the law. We should be the ones that um, are, are, are kind of judged a, a more harshly, mm -hmm. um, but equally... Um, there are, I, I think we need to look at other organisations as well and, and, you know, such as other emergency services and say, well, actually, we need to hold everyone to account. And are we doing that? 
um, because misogyny, wherever there, wherever there are people and wherever there are men, mm-hmm. um, misogyny is going to exist. And are we are we keeping women safe when they when they go for emergency medical treatment? Are we keeping mm-hmm. women safe when they go to the doctors or to A and E? Are we keeping women safe when safe and well checks are being done when anyone's going to their property? Um, so I think we, we've got to be really mindful of that halos and horns effect. Um, you know, well, every police officer is really, really bad, but these people aren't because they're not police officers. Um, actually, we need to look at the the whole view of um, if if culture is misogynistic, then then we're going to be recruiting people from every part of culture. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where that's kind of a long route to say um White Ribbon looks at culture as a whole um, and it looks at behaviour as a whole and how we need to change. We need to look at those men who are really positive role models Mm. and who are really, really looking to change um, behaviours and they need to be in every single organisation because they need to be the kind of the the eyes and ears and the positive role models within the fire service, within Mm. the NHS, within teaching to kind of be a model for men and young boys to say, this isn't, this isn't how you behave as a man. Um, This is wrong. And they need to be the models for good behavior, certainly at a young age Mm. so that we don't have this culture of misogynistic behavior that, that runs through from boyhood into manhood. No, absolutely. It's there's a couple of things just going back to what you just said there because it's almost as if it's and it's really hard to see and a really bitter pill to swallow. But it's if more people are being called out, if more officers are being called out for the behaviour for the conduct, then one from my knowledge and from yours as well. I'm sure you understand this, and many people will. It means there's more being reported. Which yeah. is one of the biggest, which is one of the biggest hurdles anyway, especially against a, a, a police force or a kind of a force of authority. Um, but then also, like you said, it's being recognised or it's being taken more seriously. It's being recognised that this is bad and wrong behaviour. Yeah, this is how we should be acting. This is how we need to be acting, and it's. I think sometimes the problem is. We focus so much on the negative. We don't actually point out all the good people out there that are doing the things. Yeah. Way. You know, because something you can speak to, you can speak to people on the street. We'll take away social media. You speak to anyone on the street and say, "What's your What's your experience been with the police?" For example, and you'll have, I would say, at least five or six out of ten that would probably go, "Yeah, it's been all right," or I've not really yeah. had that much to do with. Um, you'll have maybe one go, oh, really, really positive. They really helped me. And you'll probably have three go idiots, you know, what for whatever. And there's always two sides to a story, whatever. But but that shows you that we'd like that number, that one person that had a nice, good experience, that felt safe, that felt looked after. You'd like that to be a bigger number rather than just a, yeah. that was okay. Yeah, and I think, I think, no, Good news doesn't sell either. So no. bad news always sells. And, and also, uh, you know, and I, I, I learned this from when I, I was a hate, the hate crime lead. Um, 
data and figures um, often don't tell the, the right story. So with hate crime, you know, um, sometimes low figures. So um, actually you didn't want to see low figures. You wanted to see figures increase because that showed that people had the confidence to report. So if low, if we had low reporting figures to police regarding hate crime, that didn't, that wasn't telling us that actually no hate crime happened here. Actually, there could be a significant number of um, hate crime instances taking place in an area. It just meant that they weren't reporting it to us. So yes. what we wanted to see was an increase in the hate crime figures uh, because that would tell us that actually people felt more confident. It's a similar uh, situation with uh, de domestic abuse. Mm. Whether, you know, if figures are rising, does that mean that actually things are getting worse? Or does it mean that people are more confident yeah. in reporting uh, domestic abuse to police because they have more trust in the police? Um, we see more reports of police officers um, for misconduct in, in areas such as, you know, um, sexual misconduct. But that does, does that mean there are more officers doing it or does it mean that we're just getting better at identifying those officers and, and getting rid of them? And ideally, we don't want anyone in the force no. who was behaving in that manner. Um, but we're, we, we are identifying those officers who shouldn't be and people perhaps within the policing family are actually not tolerating that kind of behavior anymore. It's it's that question of once upon a time, was it just, oh, it's just so-and-so, that's what they're like, or it's just the word banter, it's just banter. Um, but actually now people are going, actually, that's not acceptable. I don't want to hear that kind of language. I don't want to see that kind of behavior within policing. I'm reporting them and it's being dealt with. Um, I still think, you know, we, we're always going to have, I'd like to think that one day we won't have to have, um, you know, this kind of behaviour is not going to happen. But unfortunately, we can we, we, we see through the likes of Andrew Tate and that shift in behaviour. And, you know, the, the evidence shows that within schools and the work that Soundproof Box are doing, that we see that that behaviour within schools, and, and we've identified it ourselves it, within schools in North Yorkshire, that there is that change or that that drift towards young people and their understanding of what a healthy relationship is. Yeah. Um, that th there is a there is an influence around social media about how boys and girls see healthy relationships and how boys see their role in society and and how that plays with their interactions with females, either their peers or, or t female teachers or female older women uh, and their interactions with them. And, and as they get older, how's that going to play in the roles that they want to do in life and, and, and the behaviours that they want to display? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen... We've seen a shift. I think that there's always been influences, but I think the word is is banded around a lot more, and it's because it's more direct. I mean, we all spent eighteen months, most of us, you know, in lockdown, or you maybe homeschooled and stuff like that, in front of screens where there were people coming up on that really wasn't your choice whether you saw them, but if you interacted more, it was believed that you wanted to see more. So you have people like Andrew Tate becoming 
big, you know, creating videos talking about being really successful and, and, and all this other stuff, but having these misogynistic attitudes towards women. And then we see, we, you know, we talked about the, well, it is talked about the red pill movement. So yeah. kind of yeah. podcasts that have these really, really strong statements that are quite derogatory towards women as well. And, you know, it is something that's, that's really difficult because the world does change. Now I, I do speak to quite a lot of people through social media and through TikTok and through the community we're building, but it's normal for a lot of young people nowadays to share passwords to phones. Mm. Now, that might be because actually we want to share where we are, but that makes it much easier for somebody that has the wrong intentions to then do these things. And it's, I think we also as a movement, the kind of white ribbon or whatever, whatever you're doing, whatever I'm doing, we need to make sure that we're moving with the times, with the generation, because as you say, the the most important work comes with and, and the work for the long term comes with changing those attitudes from being young, doesn't it? It's it's how yeah. you perceive almost your family's views. We might not be able to change the family. We can try, but actually if we if we start with the young people and go, look, this is what's healthy. This is unhealthy. This is what you don't want. This is how you can identify it and allow those people to make those own decisions, empower them to be able to do that. That's how we're going to get the change. But when I when I found out people were passing passwords over to each other and just and happily, you know, giving all this detail out about it's like that's the opposite of what we've ever been told to do. Yeah, and funny, I didn't. That's that was new to me. Interestingly, again, this. Um... So yesterday um, at Harrogate Police Station, we had uh, the High Sheriff of uh, North Yorkshire uh, come, a lady called Claire Granger, and she met with um, some of our domestic abuse officers and IDAS who came um, and basically for her to understand more what our domestic abuse officers did and what IDAS did. And we, ha we were having that exact conversation about um, uh, young people and, and how... Um, their attitude to again safety online and that it is one of the domestic abuse officers was saying it's just really it's just normal for you know for young people if they're in a relationship that they will share the password with a with a boyfriend or girlfriend um, and that is just normal behavior because once they're in that relationship that's um, you know that's just the thing to do um, and yeah, you're right. That would be, I would never even consider that. Um, but, and, and that the problematic issues around that, that then everything's online, everything's open mm. and everything's shared. Um, and it's a really different because it's such a different culture um, to, you know, and I'm, I'm nowhere near being a teenager anymore. So <laughs> it's, you know, and me to have that conversation with them is, it's, um, you know, it's it's beyond my age, kind of age now to, yeah. to even know what it's like to be a teenager and, and have that understanding of what it's like in that kind of digital sphere where everything happens online, where all your world is online. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does change. And I think, you know, the last couple of years has been a big lesson for me. And as much as I, I like to say, I've, I feel like a big kid, so I don't feel actually any older than when I was maybe in my late teens, 20s, but actually I am. I'm out of touch with a lot of things I felt like I was I was at the cutting edge of. Um, but it, but what it does is I think it, it blurs those lines. So, for example, somebody 
we see it in TV programs, right? Somebody knowing someone's password and while they're in the toilet looking through the phone because they might be jealous or something. They might be looking through to see if there's any suspicious messages. Now, that's breaking privacy, right? That's somebody else's thing, somebody else's identity, their stuff's in there, their, you know, their information's in there. Whereas if it's all shared and opened anyway, as a given, mm. then where's that? Where's that line then? You've then got to be good at spotting the signs of somebody doing it for the wrong reason, which is harder. Yeah. But that's maybe where the focus is and where the really important stuff is. It's that it's that awareness, isn't it? It's that emotional awareness, that in, that I suppose emotional intelligence as well to be able to go, something's not right. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is really difficult as well. Again, it goes back to, you know, one of the things about White Ribbon is about being a, um, an ambassador and, and being a champion and also being a, an active, you know, we talk about active bystanders and, and all the, the work around being a bystander. Um, or, or an active bystander but I think the difficulty is sometimes um, you know especially for young people is do they know what they're looking out for because when everything becomes normalized or normalized behavior then you know how do you how do you identify the red flags if it's not a red flag for you to behave like that mm-hmm. if it's not a red flag for you know a partner you know your boyfriend to take your phone off you um, to to make sure that they're you know if they're checking your phone to see who you've been speaking to, yeah. if that's just normal because everyone else does it, then how do you identify you, you know what's a normal healthy relationship and what's not? Um, because if everything you see is you know within within social media, um, that's that's what you expect a relationship to be like. Um, then it's really hard to see anything else as being different um and that's the the real and again it, it kind of goes back to then you know when when these when teenagers then become adults um then then you know again it's that kind of this culture it expands doesn't it to when they you know have kids or when they enter the workforce um we still have this culture of you know this misogynistic culture or this oppressive culture towards women um that continues um and we we don't and it it kind of self-perpetuates it does it does and it what it screams for me is and it's something still that challenges me to this day but it's as the active bystander knowing Either that something's wrong in principle, whether it feels wrong to you or not, or it's knowing what you can do to help that person. But first and foremost, it's identifying that somebody in that interaction is not happy or is being harmed, Mm. regardless of whether it's right or not. You look at somebody and they're crying. Oh, that was right to do that because, and I'm going slightly off on a whim here, if we come from a society that used to smack kids, right? And I'm just going to say it like that because, and then a child would cry and that would be just for that to go on. And I don't think that's a conversation we need to go into, but if that's starting at a, at a young level, then how do we know? It's It almost feels like a British thing to go, oh, you know, they might just be having an argument. She might've done yeah. this, they might've done the that. And then you just don't know. And then you're like, well, I don't want to get yeah. involved because when actually yeah. there's somebody that's not very happy over there and you just want to make sure they're okay. Yeah, and I think that there is that we'll always some they will always find a reason not to engage. Oh well, they must be just tired, or they must be just 
you know, at best leave them alone. They won't want me interfering. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of the work I've done um, with the cadets, so I'm a cadet leader as well, and obviously I'm, an, I'm an ex-teacher, um, is about, you know, that kind of, there's lots of ways that we can um, engage with someone as, a, as an active bystander. That doesn't necessarily mean um, getting hands-on. So we, we don't have to, you know, if we see a difficult situation and we're worried about that, well, actually it could put me in danger. Well, then don't take that option. There are other ways that you can help that won't necessarily put you in danger because I know that's a lot of the, the reasons why people don't want to get involved. It's like, well, I don't want to get my head kicked in or, well, you know what happened to so-and-so? It's like, well, fine. But okay, if you see someone that's upset, then just go over and go, are you okay? Because that might be the only thing they need. They may yet say, yes, I'm fine. But the fact that you've gone over and said, are you okay? Or is there someone I can call? Or is there something I can get for you? Do you want a glass of water? Yeah. Anything that just shows that human engagement with someone and that they feel validated that it's almost like saying i see you and i see what's happened um maybe the only thing that's necessary and it doesn't take a lot to do that um because some people it's that kind of british thing of i don't i, I feel a bit embarrassed yeah. um I, i'm a bit i'm a bit embarrassed to get involved well that's fine but it might be just if you go past and give, or even smile at them and just go, I, you know, are you okay? Yeah. Just that, it's just that, I think, you know, that makes that person feel validated because going back to my hate crime um, head, um, a lot of hate crime victims, you know, if, if it happens on a bus or a public transport, which a lot of hate crime instances do, um, it's the fact that people just pretend nothing's happened yeah. So they'll all sit there while someone's being racially abused and they'll just ignore, they'll just like look anywhere other than when it's happened. And, and a lot of victims say, I just wanted someone to acknowledge what had happened. Yeah. Um, and even if it was just, a, are you okay? Do you want me to, do you want me to get, see you off the bus or yeah. do you want me to call the police? Um, so it doesn't take much. And again, I think going back to the white ribbon, you know, a lot of the time, especially if it's, especially if we're looking at misogyny, uh, mas and, and especially if you're a woman watching something else happen, misogyny by its very definition is, you know, frightening because it's the hatred of women. And if you're a woman seeing a man behave in that manner, you may not feel comfortable in standing up, which mm -hmm. is why White Ribbon is all about men being the upstanders, you know, men standing up to mm -hmm. men. But again, it's that, you don't have to be you don't have to be all gung-ho about it and all be like yeah. oh okay i'm you know chest beating it's just about saying i see you i see what's happening yeah and i'm i'm, I'm gonna say something or i'm gonna go over and say are you okay do you want me to do something about it can i get you something but i've seen what's happened yeah um because a lot of the time we, we're more than happy to just um look the other way and pretend nothing's gone on and everything's fine and that's what we need to stop doing yeah yeah it's just can't say any more than that yes it's it's that not knowing what to say not wanting to get involved that almost fear factor it's but it's can we 
can we realize that every little thing that we do if more of us do it will have a huge impact yeah you know? and even and even after the fact as well so if it's so when it comes to friends because that adds another layer of complexity friends and family and when you see it within those social circles there's them worries about being cast out or worries about people you know what they might think of you because you stand up for it kind of thing mm-hmm. or what all questions around what's normal but that becomes even more pertinent because actually after the fact could you could you reach out to the person that was the victim in that case or the person that was you know that was upset by that and go are you okay because yes there's the there's the thing about the importance of being seen at the time and being yeah. and being seen but actually it's afterwards it's that feeling of being left alone why do i still feel yeah. like this and nobody under feel i feel like nobody understands yeah that's still just as important isn't it yeah definitely yeah i think so i think it's that it's that recognition that you're not on your own and also because a lot of the time especially with i think especially with um verbal verbal abuse um and this uh, comes into the, the work i did around my masters around the, um, language and the use of language um you might hear something and, and you'd be really like that's that's and that, that's really upsetting that's really upset me but then everyone else around you is going oh it's just banter oh you know oh what are you getting so upset about for what, what, what why are you so upset well if if that that language is impacted on you and has made you upset but everyone else is telling you you shouldn't be yeah then you're almost questioning your own sanity and, yeah. and it's almost like gaslighting there well what, should i be upset about it yeah um because no one else else is telling me it's banter and I shouldn't get so so worked up so it is that kind of you know if you you know if you can support someone and go actually if that's really upset you uh, then yeah you've got every right to feel validated in your emotion because it's that kind of Mm. I always used to say especially when I was a teacher um, if someone gets hit a physical and it's the same with hate crime physical abuse you can see it. You yeah. can see the bruises, but verbal verbal abuse is much harder because it's it's those microaggressions. It's that um, it's that kind of constant chipping away at your at your very being. Yeah. Um, that really kind of is insidious because you're left questioning. You know, sometimes you know if it's really subtle as well, mm. and certainly with misogyny, it's that kind of unless it's really out there, kind of the real derogatory language, sometimes it's just that kind of, um, I'm, you know, I'm told it's banter, but actually this is really grinding me down. Yeah. Um, that kind of office kind of mm-hmm. jokes. And it's it's like, well, it's not. This is really, really, you know, really, really getting to me. Um, and that's the kind of, you know, if you see it and you hear it, well, actually, and you agree, then then support someone who's going through it. Yeah, yeah, to let them know that actually it's not they're not weird for for being upset. The rest of the world yeah. isn't against them. It's almost if we can if we can in those instances go forget about whether that person should be angry at that woman. Forget about whether that person should be upset or not. Forget about whether I feel like I should be upset or be offended by what I've just heard. I am. She is. Yeah. She is. So how do I act based on actually what is happening? Because it's because should is a based around somebody else's expectations, isn't it? So it doesn't yeah. always feel intrinsically right. So I think 
you know, maybe that's maybe that'd be one tip from me to try and filter out all that. If you're feeling something or you're seeing something, forget about whether it should be happening or shouldn't. It is. So yeah. you do based on if you if that if that was the only information. Because often as you know, as any emergency services, that will be the only information you have. If you're going out yeah. or something, it's this is happening. We don't know why yet, but we'll find out. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's 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 unimportant, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder Sorry, go on. Sorry. I was gonna say the chances are if that behaviour is happening to one person, it's happened to others as well. They just haven't spoken out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the more that we do speak out about it, the more that it does get reported, then figures go up, like you said, but it's figured reported that are going up. The actual occurrence we know is already higher, but we're not just yeah. them figures. It just we want them to be closer and more um, yeah, yeah, active yeah. of the, the situation, don't we? Now, this has absolutely flown. It's saying we've only got a couple of minutes left. So there is a real, there's a couple of things I want to ask you, Amanda, if that's okay. Yeah, that's um, fine. If you have, if there's anybody listening today that um, is either maybe experiencing something, knows somebody that's experiencing something around kind of violence against women, domestic abuse or anything about that. From your experience, could you give them any tips on on what to do? I know it's a big question. It is. I would um there's loads of people out there who can support and depending on where they are, obviously, um, if they don't feel confident in calling the police straight away, there's loads of um independent organizations so if you live in north yorkshire there's idas which is the independent domestic abuse service they are completely uh, independent of the police so um that means that you can self-refer into idas you don't have to have spoken to the police to speak to idas um idas work with police in the sense of if um the police if um if there's a domestic incident that's um, being reported to the police, we can refer people to IDAS, right. but you can also speak to IDAS independently. Um, IDAS will not tell us anything, um, and it's they're entirely confidential. Um, so there's no fear of, well, if I go to IDAS, they're going to tell the police and this, this, and this is going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I would always um, say um, if you are experiencing domestic abuse or any kind of um, uh, sexual um, violence or sexual offence they have what's called IDFAs and they're domestic, uh, independent domestic violence advisors or ISFAs who are independent domestic uh, independent sexual um, violence um, advisors um, or, or contact anything any other charities like Women's Aid or Refuge because they can give um, advice either online or on the telephone about taking those next steps and they're entirely confidential um speak to speak to um, any organization like that west yorkshire will have similar mm-hmm. um if you're in immediate danger then always call 999 yeah. um but there's there's definitely don't suffer on your own don't suffer in silence there are definitely um organizations out there that can give you even if it's just initial advice about how do, how can I keep safe, mm-hmm. um, you know, what steps can I take? They can give you advice about um, emergency bags if you need to leave the house um, in in a hurry, or, or refuges, or just what what you need to do to keep safe. Um, 
but it you know the police will 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 come and will support you but i know sometimes that's not the the first thing that you you want to do it's just i need that support no i think that's some really really powerful and and important advice because like you say sometimes there can be a blocker or there can be a fear around telling the police because you don't know what the implications are going to be from there on yeah there are yeah, definitely out there that that are separate there's a lot of services out there that are separate and I've Googled a few for people when they've been in, in situations and, you know, there are places that will look after you or will support you without that, um, without getting in touch with the police being a step. So I think that's really important. Um, yeah. And they, they will, they will kind of support you if you do want to go to the police yeah. um, and they will kind of give you that guidance. And if you do decide that that's what you want to do, that they can kind of be that support with you. Uh, but I would, you know, as I say, I, I do re reiterate: if if you are, you know, at risk, or is there a risk of uh, life, you know, a danger to life, or you you need help immediately, then do call nine nine nine. Do get the police there, yeah. um, because um, you know we are we will come and, and we will support you and we will look after you. Um, so don't don't put yourself at risk by not calling us. Yeah, yeah, incredibly important. Now, I have a little tradition on this uh, on this podcast, and I want to change the tone ever so slightly. Now, this is a superhero finder podcast, and I love superheroes. I, I don't hide that fact. But I would love to know, and this is for you, not Sergeant. Okay, this is for Amanda. Okay. If you could have any superhero power in the world, what would it be? And what would you use it for? Oh, say... I thought about it. You see, I'd really like to fly. Okay. I've always kind of harboured the... the, But then I'd probably, knowing me, I'd probably kind of fly into the side of a building. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, unless you go higher than the building. Yeah, no, I think I think I think I'm going to stick with the the superhero power that I've always wanted to be do is and that's fly. Flying. But I know I'd use it to just get places quicker. Yeah. So yeah. I can do more. But yeah, yeah I've always to be able to do more. always wanted to fly. There we go. You see I'd be terrible at flying. Flying's a very common answer but I'd be terrible at flying because I'm, I'm terrible with heights. So I feel like I would literally just I would either get over it the first time I flew or I would just permanently be in a state of adrenaline and I'd just get to the other end and I'd just be asleep <laughs> no so, I'd, um, I'd love to fly yes I think it would be incredible and some of our favourite superheroes fly so thank you for taking the time to answer that for me <clears throat> and thank you for, the, for taking the time out today as well Amanda I think it's really important that especially not only do we have these conversations about this subject type but also someone of yourself in an organisation like the police like North Yorkshire Police actually being able to been able to almost bridge the gap between some of the misnomers, some of the some of the stories that we see in the headlines, and some of them that aren't very good. And it's nice to be able to see. It's nice to see from my point of view um, what's being done. And I, when I found out there was a Vogue officer, I was like, "What? Like that's incredible!" And do you know is that across every force, or is that a North Yorkshire thing? Um, every force will have a strategic and tactical lead um, for Vogue, and they're usually. Um... Uh, every force will have like an ACC who um, is the kind of the strategic lead for Vogue and every force will have um, a tactical lead for Vogue, which is usually at a DCI level. So um, Detective Chief, uh, Chief Inspector, 
And then a few forces now have um, Inspector Sergeant um, who will kind of be like the Vogue um, operational lead. So a few forces are, are starting to have um, that at that level just to kind of do the kind of more operational side of it and try and get things uh, kind of more embedded um, with regards to having officers understand what Vogue is because there's still that kind of um, lack of understanding of what Vogue is even with the public you know when I say I'm a Vogue sergeant they're kind of like oh what's Vogue um, so it's really trying to embed that and embed that kind of understanding of of what Vogue is and, 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 and what we're doing about violence against women and girls. So if you are listening to this, do us a favour, and if you didn't know what Vogue was today, and even if you did know, tell a few other people what Vogue is. Just, you know, that's how we can dispel the knowledge. We just need to pass it on, don't we, and just make it more visible. And that's been kind of a long-running theme in what we've been saying today. Um, thank you very much for your time. Is there a possibility of anyone contacting you with any questions, or is that not a thing? Would you prefer people contact the services? Um, it, it probably best that they contact the services, yeah. and, and but um, certainly I'm more than happy to talk about White Ribbon. And if yeah. anyone wants to um, get involved with White Ribbon, um, and if any organisations out there, certainly uh, within uh, in and around North Yorkshire, want to contact me about White Ribbon and how they can become involved with White Ribbon, we're we're looking. We've we've just started the journey at North Yorkshire. Um, so any organisations that are white ribbon accredited or any organisations or groups that um, uh, are interested in supporting white ribbon and mm -hmm. supporting us, um, you know, I've done lots of uh, talks and uh, presentations on white ribbon. I'm more than happy to do that. Um, so, yeah, they can um, contact me with regards to that. Um, I'm happy to give my work email with regards to uh, white ribbon. That's great. Well, if that's okay, then I'll put that in the description. I'll put yeah. your work email in the description. Um, that'd be amazing. Um, and yeah, great. Yeah, I've got a couple of people that I want to actually introduce you to as well. So I'll I'll do that over email as well. I think that'll be really yeah, no problem. Um, and guys, thank you. I've just the kittens just jumped on my glass of juice right at the end. She's been fine all the way through. She just decided she wants <laughs> to just kibosh everything. Thank you, Plum. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Amanda, thank you for being here. Um, and as always, guys, if you if you're watching this on video, awesome. You can see the links that are behind me. You can keep in touch with me. If you're just listening, um, then there is my Patreon, patreon.com slash the kindest strongman. And it does allow I've got a couple of patrons, Lucy and James, who are amazing. And they just help me to keep this podcast running because it doesn't make any money. It's not for profit. It literally is just to get these messages out. Um, so if you do fancy doing something like that, then, you know, have a look on there. If not, cool, just maybe give this a share for me. Look out for it on social media and check out some of the older episodes as well because this is episode 114, I think, because my memory is terrible. Um, so that means there's loads of stuff, loads of different conversations. Um, and that leads me to say, I've got a little catchphrase as well, because I'm a big kid. I've said I'm a big kid before, Anna. So from myself and from Anna, everybody that's out there, stay super. <laughs>